Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got BJ Grumilian and Brad Young with the BC team, even more players from the Phoenix market. And they're going to share how they run multiple seven-figure businesses sanely, uh, which I think is one of the biggest challenges you know, for anyone that's running uh, multiple businesses. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in, I am Steve Trang, founder of the Offer Fast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. One question I get a lot is how do I become one of the 100 millionaires? So please allow me to answer it here. The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. Take consistent action and you will become one. Uh, when you hear a nugget, just type it into the comment section after the show, identify your single biggest takeaway and focus only on that for the next seven days. If you get value today, please tag a friend below or share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for BJ and Brad to answer. You ready? Ready. Yeah, go for it. All right. So I don't know who wants to go first, but the question is, what got you guys into real estate? I already knew that was coming. Do you want to? You want to answer? Or do you want me to? Sure. I uh, yes. I was. We were both doing door-to-door sales, and um, in 2008, my my brother-in-law called me. And he was. Uh, he's here in Phoenix as well, and uh, yeah, he just said, "Hey, you want to come out here and do some real estate with me?" And so I moved from Texas to here, and and that's where it started and just uh, just called you i recruited you from texas yeah he was like hey man i don't he was doing a ton of reo business and mm-hmm. he just at the time he's like i don't have a ton of people that i trust with the accounts that i have because he was i would say he's one of the bigger players in, in the mm-hmm. reo business and uh yeah so kind of came in and started doing that with him who was that travis larson yeah ah, his brother-in-law okay yep. yeah it's presidential realty yep yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, he was actually one of the few reo agents that answered the phone back in the day when i would yeah. call reo agents yeah really yeah that's funny yeah, he was definitely a big player. Yeah, then. no, he was huge, mm-hmm. very big. Yeah, they're yeah. awesome. So you started working with him in the REO side of the business? Yeah, and then um, I kind of I got into doing the trash outs, you know, tear out tower carpet, uh, do paint walls, do all that kind of stuff. Kind of the 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 trade side of the work uh, in the beginning, and then um, and then we kind of teamed up and did our first flip. And honestly, he he taught me from the beginning. Like he was the one that introduced me to all of it, and. Uh, and then eventually we just kind of got to a point where uh, I would find a deal or he'd find a deal and then um, I would manage the rehabs and then I would sell them. And so and then it kind of evolved and then and, uh, BJ and I met a little bit later and, and then we kind of started teaming up and doing the same stuff. And got it. Just different visions kind of went different directions. Okay, so he's so. not part of the BC team. He's not, no. Uh, got it. He's got still it. actually wholesaling a ton and, and flipping a ton now. Is he still in the business? I figure yeah. with how much he made in REO yeah. days that he could have retired. No, I think he's still crushing it. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And how about you? Yeah, so I was actually with uh, Edward Jones for a while. That's um, I got married. I had no idea what to tell my father-in-law what I was going to do. And so <laughs> I was graduating, and, and I was like, uh, my, my buddy said he was going to Edward Jones. I didn't know what that was. I don't know anything about finances. And I'm like... Are they hiring or what? And I heard so, they got a great training program, so you're probably they do. the right spot. They actually do. <laughs> so yeah, went in, got the job somehow, and uh, you know, come to find out they, they pretty much take anyone with a degree, I think. So that's crazy enough to do it. It worked. Yeah, they, they <laughs> hand you a phone book and they say, start calling. Basically, that's how it works. And you go knock doors. And out. So I, I was a door-to-door bond salesman, so that was pretty cool. 
selling um, bonds for Edward selling Jones. Selling bonds. Door to door. That's how I got clients. I've heard of Edward Jones going door to door knocking. Yeah. I've never and that's what, that's what you were bonds. selling because you had to talk about something. You mean bonds don't get you excited? <laughs> oh, man. I was like, <laughs> I was selling all these housewives. I'm like, hey, you interested in a five percent, you know, yield and you know, pay on? And they're like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, I don't really know, but um, you know, just just give me your information. So um, yeah, started off doing that, um, and, and it was actually doing pretty well with it. But um, yeah, was not happy. Um, it would take me about an hour to get out of the car, you know, when I had to go knock doors. So I'd have to talk myself up. But um, and that's come from someone that you know, both of us actually had experience. We for three years we knocked doors, uh, selling alarm systems, and then two years before that we also served an LDS mission. So like I paid, I knocked doors for about six or seven years. <laughs> Were you also in Texas? No. So I'm from Colorado Springs. My wife is from Arizona, so Got that's it. why I'm in Arizona. So okay. uh, didn't but have where much guys, choice there. Where were you guys door knocking together? Uh, we didn't do it together. There's actually a lot of commonality that we found out <laughs> after it's kind of creepy. We yeah. like found each. So we we found after, each other. After we found each other. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> this is my partner over here. Uh, my wife always gets mad when we call it our second marriage, but it kind of is. And yeah. so uh, we've actually been together now for 12 years as partners. Right. Business wow. partners. Business Got partners. It. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Like we, we started talking about our, our history and so there's, there's eight kids in both of our families. Uh, you know, there's both of us knocked doors. Both of us were dumped by our girlfriend when we went on a mission. Like there was a lot of like just funny things that we were like, man, this You're is weird. You were both dumped on your missions? Yeah. Yeah. It was oh, kind of, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. Mine waited until it was like three months before I was getting home. She sends me a paragraph letter and was like, yeah, we're done. I'm getting married in like a month. And I was like. Oh, okay. You know, well, at least you're able to stay inspired up until then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the last three months was worthless, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so that's how we, we met, um, at church. And then, uh, you know, he was telling me about what he was doing. He was like, yeah, like we're flipping homes. Like it was like the wild west. You know how it was. Cause mm -hmm. we were around 2008, oh, you yeah. know, through 2011, 12. So he's with his brother-in-law and they're just crushing it they're doing all these homes they're flipping them having a good time and i'm looking at his lifestyle and mine i'm like okay this is not adding up i need to jump <laughs> selling shit. alarms so, wasn't as, as uh, rewarding yeah well and then edward jones at the time is what okay. i was doing then and i was like man i it, it was uh, while it, i was hitting all my goals it just was not fun like it was not for me so it was my passion so uh jump ship went over started working with them um and then you know just slowly like there were so many homes going on at the auction so he was doing more of the auction stuff and then i was finding homes on the mls that we were you know flipping for clients and stuff so got it so, so that's how we started so edward jones you said you're hitting mm -hmm. your goals i mean just for everyone that's listening because there are a lot of people that listen to the show yeah that kind of either are still stuck in their w2 or they got one foot in the w2 one foot trying to make this happen mm -hmm. What were you making when you decided to jump ship? Yeah, no, I can totally relate. Cause I actually had like, they would pay you a salary and then they'd also pay you commissions. And so I think I was, it was right around like 60,000, you know? Mm -hmm. So like it was a healthy income, like, and it was comfortable. And it's funny that you say that like one foot in one foot out because I actually got my license, my real estate license, which you're not supposed to do by the way, if you work forever Jones, they kind of own you, right? They say that's like your own business, mm -hmm. but really they take like 40% of everything you make, you get 60%. They're generous, so, yeah. so yeah, like <laughs> totally. And that never changes by the way, you're oh, always wow. at 60%. Um, and so yeah, turn, and I knew that you can get other licenses, but I, in my mind, I'm thinking, cause I live in the gray, right? So I'm thinking, okay, so I can still get like, go to school, get the license, just don't hang it with someone and mm -hmm. I'll be good. Mm -hmm. And so I did that and then somehow they do 
random audits and they flagged me. So I had two dudes show up like FBI style, like, and, and I'm not even exaggerating, honestly. Like they came to my office, they called me, they're like, you need to get here now. So I show up and they're in like black suit and tie and they are like 300 pound bouncers. Like I've never seen anything like it. So I go in and they're like, all right, hey, uh, did you get your license? And I'm like, yeah, I did. So like, you know, that's against the rules. Yeah. And so like, okay, well you're done. And they called up St. Louis and they're like, yeah, terminate him. And oh, so, wow. yeah, it happened like that. And they were like, leave all your stuff here, walk out. I mean, they changed the keys. They took my computer. Like it was, it was legit. Like I was yeah. like, wow, this is really happening. Okay. So I had to tell the my wife of having a boss. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So I learned quickly. Okay. That was not my business. They, they really tried to sell you on that. Like it's your location and mm -hmm. you know, you could be your own boss, but obviously that's not the case, you know, yeah. like, so. Uh, great business model for them, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that's great because I built up a book of business from a phone book mm -hmm. for them. And then they're like, okay, great. See you later. We get all the commissions and it worked out great for them. Yeah. But, um, but it was also good for me too. Cause I think I needed that extra push. Like, cause I was trying to just, maybe I'll do a little bit on the side. Maybe I'll, you know, still stay here and make money cause you had a mortgage to pay. And I just, we had a child, you know? And mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, I need to make sure I can pay the bills. So I can relate with that. You know, I mean, I had to be literally kicked out <laughs> of my job out. <laughs> to get it. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent was fired. Uh, first time I've been fired. Um, but, but thankfully a hundred percent. And it was nice. Cause the next day I, I went to our office that was about two miles down the road at presidential realty mm -hmm. at the time. So I just went down there, started off, hit the ground running and, you know, never looked back. Like actually, you know, made more money. I think that first in the first two months there than I, than I was with Ever Jones. And from there it's always been more. So it worked out. It was good. So it was door to door sales, selling religion. Yes. And then door to door yeah. sales, selling alarms. <laughs> yes. So three years each, you both said, mm -hmm. yeah. And then for you, mm -hmm. door to door selling bonds. Right. Okay, so one thing I've heard is uh, if you're hiring Mormons, yeah, they're great for door to door sales. Yeah, they are. Because if uh -huh. you're selling religion, it's a tough sell. <laughs> that is a tough sell. So, yeah. how much of that translated mm -hmm. to what you guys do now or just in real estate sales? Um, yeah, what do you think? Oh, I don't know. I, I think uh, you learn human connection. Mm -hmm. You know, you go out as a missionary and you kind of forget about the things that you might want in life. And you legitimately, it's weird because I, I can recall those two years staring at a whiteboard, thinking about these families that had said, hey, you know, I would like to learn more. And so you're thinking about their individual needs. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it What is it that they want in life? And and, and so a lot of times in real estate, you talk about building rapport with a, with a, with a customer or a client. And it's very similar, right? Like. You're, you're doing the same things, you're finding connection and you're, and then something that's gonna make their life better. And yeah. ultimately when, when, when you're picking up a deal, like a, especially an off market type deal, it's usually it's because it's making their life a little bit better. They've, you're doing something they wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Got it. Yeah. Did you guys have quotas, KPIs? As, like, as missionaries? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you set your own. Yeah, and you, you know. did have to report, like yeah. you had district leaders, zone leaders, mission president, like yeah. there was like a chain of command, right, mm -hmm. to it. Um, and, and, you know, I think, I think it, honestly, it's a good thing for, um, for the sole purpose, in my opinion, of you finally like lose yourself, right? Cause if you think about it, you take someone that's 18, 19 years old, like 
who is more selfish, right? Then at that point in your life, like, I mean, I, w- I was so selfish, right? And so they take you. knew you, everything. Yeah, exactly, right? Was, like my parents obviously. were idiots, like, you know, like I knew everything, we had all figured out. And so you go there in this new environment, you get thrown to a place, you, you don't get a pick, you know? They're like, okay, like I went to Alaska, and they're like, okay, I don't, I don't know anything about Alaska, but mm-hmm. whatever, I'm going there. And so, you know, you, you show up, you get off the plane, and, and I mean, yeah, you, you're just thrown into a whole different world. But the whole focus turns from what do I want, what do I need, like, you know, it's all, it's all about dating and whatever, all that stuff. It goes from that to you grow up quick, you know, and, and it's like, oh, these people, you know, don't have a home, or these people are struggling with, you know, um, marital problems or, or whatever, and you mature a lot quicker than mm-hmm. most, you know, because I... I've just seen uh, so many young men come back, and they really do come back like men, right? Like they're um, they're battle tested. They've been out there, and it's hard, right? Like it's not fun. Like the, nothing about it is fun. <laughs> I can't like, imagine being fun from anyway. a worldly standpoint, right? <laughs> like it's not fun. Like you don't see those benefits. You're not making money. You're not like dating girls. All those mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, but in a, in a weird way, it uh, all of us that go on missions will tell you that was the best two years of our life. You know. Got it. It's a, it, it's a funny thing how that works. It's, it's just because you, you learn to forget yourself and, and it's all about other people and, and not you. And so, yeah, the empathy thing, I think, is definitely. And how does that, having that different point of view, affect your business? Like, how's that impacted yeah. the way you guys run your business today? You know, I think that uh, so for me personally, like, I moved out here in, a, in October of 2008. The next week, the stock market crashed. Mm-hmm. And my first time to ever buy a home, you know, I'm early 20s, and the only thing I'd known was a small apartment that was 375 bucks a month, and we li- and we slept on a futon, right? So mm-hmm. it was simple, simple, simple life. And now all of a sudden we're supposed to be big homeowners, and and um, you learn how to deal with the like, adversity. Uh, I mean, I, I went to California, right? And uh, and you go there and people drive by in their truck and they shoot you with paintballs and they throw bricks at you. Like that's real life. That happens, you know. And so you think. Okay, the fir- my first like instinct is grab a boulder and throw it through their windshield. You know, mm-hmm. I guess that's the first thing you want to do because you just rode 10 miles on a bike to get where you are. Mm-hmm. But you have to step back and be like, okay, this just happened and that was their decision. Now I- I'm in control of mine. Yeah. And I think that so growing the business like we we start started in the middle of a recession. So you're 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 learning how to put pieces in place while things are still falling apart. And I, I think that it, those two, for me at least, was like, yeah, being able to just like stay calm during a storm. I think also like the, the leadership um, aspect is, is huge, right? Because what they do intentionally is they give you, um, you know, you're with a companion, but then kind of like what I mentioned, you have district leaders and zone leaders and APs and, and uh, assistant to the president, and then you have the president. And so with that you have responsibilities right for those people that you oversee and that you're you're helping out and so i think that they really try to instill that leadership aspect in you at a young age so that it's pretty natural right you get used to talking to people too Mm -hmm. like i mean when it comes to talking to sellers that's cake right like it's just fun and you can just have a conversation like people that struggle on the phones with wholesaling and Flipping. I don't understand that just because of my background and experience. Cause I think I did it so long, you know, where I was like knocking on random people's doors. Like there's nothing harder in my opinion than knocking on doors. You right? get calluses like, on your knuckles. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, you get your feelings hurt, right? Like, right. I mean, everyone slammed the door and you're like the scum of the earth and, and no one wants to see you. Right. Like everyone's <laughs> looking at the peephole and they're like, are you kidding me? Like, well, now we're looking guy? at you through the ring app. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Now now it's a lot. I don't know how they do it. Like yeah. They're still out there selling door to door. I'm like, how is that possible with that technology? Because I look at the Ring app, I'm like, nope. <laughs> Not answering. I don't answer for any door to door salesman. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. So what is, um, so you guys went, you guys joined forces because you guys met at the church, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you guys worked at Presidential. What were you guys doing at Presidential? So I was working for a company called Resume Mortgage. Mm-hmm. listing their their repos mm-hmm. and then uh, kind of helping manage the trash outs the rekeys all the stuff you mm-hmm. you, know, you hear about and uh, the thing that made me hate it the most was I was doing all of the cash for keys for the company so like I was I delegated that yeah so because <laughs> I spoke do. Spanish I was I mean I, I probably uh, delivered cash for keys to at least 500 to a, between 500 and 1000 families and like I don't know if there's a time that scarred me more <laughs> emotionally than like sitting around a table with half a dozen people and they're all crying and you're sitting there like here's a here's a thousand bucks can you get out of your house like it's not me don't shoot the messenger but like man you you hate your life at that point did you ever ever have to do it right before christmas yeah that was the worst for Mm. me the worst knocking on someone's door december 23rd yeah it's like hey you got foreclosed on yeah gonna have to leave yeah you need to go right now that was not fun no no those those are those are definitely Mm -hmm. trying times uh, so, but you weren't doing the REO stuff. Mm-mm. So what were you doing when you started at, at presidential? So really I was, I, I've kind of found my niche in the MLS, right? And, and so it's funny cause we say that now, cause I mean, anyone that lives in Arizona is like MLS, you can buy homes on the MLS. <laughs> like that really did happen. I'm like, yeah, it did. It really did. Yeah. So in like 2008 through, I mean, even all the way, probably like 2015, 16, um, pretty consistently, we were always finding homes, you know, uh, for investors to flip. And so, you know, when you start out, you don't have money, so you're making other people rich, uh, which is fun. Like, it's a lot more enjoyable when it's your mm-hmm. money. Oh, yeah, made. for sure. Um, but it was really cool to learn on other people's dimes, right? And so, like, you could um, – so we probably did with Presidential, I think – I don't know if we ever have – looked at the numbers, probably like a thousand, right? Between the auction um, and the MLS deals and the stuff that we helped out different investors with throughout throughout the years we've been doing it, we've probably done thousands of homes, right? Um, a lot of those were for other people. Um, but it was cool to see the whole process start to finish. Oh, this is how you do a flip. So eventually as you scrape together money, you know, then you do them for yourself and you do another one, you just keep rolling. And, and then eventually they all leave, right? And right. so like eventually, um, we figured out, yeah, I think we're good. You know, we're going to go step out on a limb here and open up our own brokerage. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a whole can of worms there that, you know, we, we learned a lot of lessons when we did that. There was, well, let's talk about those lessons yeah. because that's something that you hear a lot of uh, people that uh, are are uh, doing volume mm-hmm. and they think, well, the next logical step is to open a brokerage. Yeah. To which I always tell them, no, that's not the next logical step. No. So what is what were the can of worms that you guys learned? Okay, so, well, <laughs> so the cra- yeah, so we move in and like I think it was thirty days later, yeah. right? We get robbed, so they break into our <laughs> building. Blind. Like they yeah. break into our building, and it was a super. It was like very intentional, very strategic. They they come in and they all they do is tear apart our network system. There are floor seats to the Suns season tickets. It's worth thirty five thousand at the time. They're probably worth two dollars now, but you know what I mean. Like at the time, <laughs> that's what it was worth, and they were sitting out and they didn't get touched. There's credit cards. They didn't get touched. There's there's a stack of cash in it. Because the there's a couple guys that rented spaces from us. Mm-hmm. Nothing that, None of that got touched. The only thing that happened was they comp- took all of our computers and tore apart our, our network room. 
So it seemed like it was weird. It seemed really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you think it was Travis? No. <laughs> no I just. Uh, but it was like it was crazy, I'll teach man. Those guys. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, they. So it, that's what happened. And uh, I think looking back now, we've, we. I don't know if we'd ever start a brokerage again. The, yeah. the reason why we needed it was we had been, so we'd get stuff at the auctions all the time mm-hmm. and we would then say, hey, yeah, we can help you get it and help you get it cleaned up, but mm-hmm. you're gonna take your property management, you're gonna go here, mm-hmm. you know? And, and we, were, we were sending everything to a specific group and we just, these people came back eventually and said, hey, you know what, we just want you to manage it. And so when that came into place, that was where Travis and I, we didn't really see eye to eye. So we managed a couple dozen, maybe, 30 or so properties when we were still together. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't want property management because he knew the liability. And that's where we really had a separating point. And that's the reason why we had brokerage really was to, mm-hmm. yeah. to continue and, that. And I still won't do a property management. Um, um, I don't blame you. <laughs> okay, so if you're saying you wouldn't open a brokerage, but you want to do property management, and most brokerages, generally speaking, mm-hmm. don't want to touch property management. Mm-hmm. So then what would you guys do? If you, if you guys can open a brokerage. I mean, if you look at the businesses that we run and operate, I mean, that is by far the least income producing side of it. Like mm-hmm. it, it's almost like it doesn't even really exist. It's, it's like a nice loss leader. To, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to have it there so that like, yeah, if if you have some deal come across, you're like, okay, yeah, like there's some money to be made there. Cause I think each door in property management, for instance, you average, let's say 1500 bucks a year, right? On mm-hmm. that. So it's nice to have kind of, and it's also nice cause like our whole thing when we started off too, I think our vision was, hey, we want to be like a one-stop realty solution. That was our slogan for a long time. Like we wanted to kind of be able to offer all the solutions like, cause we were like, hey, like I don't want to give anyone else, you know, money basically. Like I want to keep it all, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were like, let's do property management. Like let's, let's see everything from start to finish. Let's start a construction company. Let's do a development company. Like if you think about what we've done, it really is. It's like, I think there's something inherent in us that we hate having to pay other people to do it. We're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, we can do that. Right. So then we'll just start it up. Um, I think as we're getting older and a little bit more mature, you know, not a whole lot more mature, but at least older. Yeah. We're at least getting (laughs) older, lose my hair and stuff. But, um, like I think that we're we're slowly being like, hey, we need to simplify, right? So you go from I want to take over the world to like, oh, now I need to like narrow my focus and get really, really deep and really good at three or four things, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think 2020 has been a big year for us in that regards. Whereas like, hey, focus your energy, talents, and everything, and just you know go hard at those things as opposed to trying to. So, just a perfect example speaking of all the opportunities that we come up with. So we're all entrepreneurs, Steve. I know I've listened to your show for a long time. I know that you have a ton of ideas. You're very similar minded to us, right? You're a very kindred spirit to us. And so like, (laughs) um, how many ideas do you come up with every month that are like genius? I mean, it's it's a lot. And then they get rejected by my partners. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, we're the same way. Like we actually have, so we do, um, do you level 10 meetings? Absolutely. uh, Traction. Okay. Absolutely. So we have our meetings. On our meeting board, we have a, a, a section that is opportunities, mm-hmm. right? We did that because we realized all that we need to do is just get it off our chest. I just need to tell you like how great of an idea this is, how mm-hmm. much money it's really gonna make, you know, and all the, all the great vision that I have for it that I just thought of on the toilet like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and I uh, just need to get it out there to everyone, tell you how cool it is. And then we're like, okay, let's put on the opportunities board and maybe we'll revisit it. You know, if it's a good Mm -hmm. idea, we'll come back to it. Well, I don't think we've ever come back to that opportunity board. And it's just super long. It just keeps growing, you know, but I think it's a way for us to just like get it off. Release it. Yes. As opposed to, 
okay, all right, yeah, well, let's figure it out right now. Yeah. Like, let's scratch this out on paper and business has started tomorrow. We've got the website up and running. You know, oh, no, you can you can get it up and running real fast. Yes. So let's take a step back. So someone right now that's listening and he's like, man, I am ready to start a brokerage. Mm-hmm. What is the word of advice to that guy? It, now, is this someone who wants to go into traditional real estate? Uh, someone that's got a, uh, that's doing uh, lots of flips and it's like, well, you know, this is the next logical step. What 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 are you telling them? Because you're saying it's open a can of worms. Oh, what are man. they paying in commissions? Like, what are they paying to get to unload all these lots of flips? I mean, I think usually, I think what you hear a lot is at one percent, right? Commissions. Yeah. That that's one of those things. If you've got a really good real estate agent, just go there, right? Like that. To our point, what we're talking about is you start to realize, like, hey, pay guys. We were just talking about this before the show. Like, pay the experts, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what they do, and. Be happy with that, right? Like, just just give it to them. Like, they take that stress off of your plate, and then it actually alleviates so much more of your energy, and so you have a lot more time to go deeper, right? And and to get better at what your mastercraft or whatever it is that makes you money, right? So, you know, for us, yeah, if we didn't have a brokerage and we were paying an agent and they were doing a great job, why the heck would you stop that? You know, mm-hmm. and and do that. Like, uh, our our if you asked me that question five years ago, that would not be the same answer, probably. <laughs> no, I, actually, I think we've learned. I had this conversation with someone uh, uh, on Monday with my bookkeeper. Because like when I first got started, you know, they're saying like the riches are in the niches. Right? Yeah. Don't don't be the jack of all trades because that guy doesn't he just doesn't get paid. You know, yes. that guy's always, you know, looking for the next deal or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, these old guys, like, what do they know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And now now that we're much older, it's like, oh man. There's something to that. <laughs> yeah. Should have done like that. We're envious of the people that have like that one stupid niche business that mm-hmm. just makes millions of dollars and they have like two employees. And you're exactly. like, how did you figure that out so quickly? Yeah. All right. So was so then the brokerage was the first business you guys started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And that was roughly, is it 2016? 2011. 2011. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Completely off. All right. So then what was the next business? Because we're talking about lots of ideas, mm-hmm. lot, multiple businesses here. What was the next? I mean, whole, wholesaling and flipping was definitely like, I would say the first thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then when we moved over, we had to start a brokerage because we had property management under a different firm. Mm-hmm. And then um, construction. Was that yeah, I would yeah. say construction kind of came after that. Okay. And so that was around when? 2013. Yeah. Okay. So not too long after. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and that venture is still up and running. Mm-hmm. That's still good. Yeah. All right. It so just who, evolved from small rehabs to now neighborhoods that we Neighborhoods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, wow. So if you, I mean, so it just changed a lot. So who's running that? Um, it's probably a combination of me and my brother. Mm-hmm. So and of it. course he's got, he's got a bunch of guys that work under him, but got it. And then after that, the construction, mm-hmm. well, actually before we, we, we move. So you guys were, uh, did the construction and something you and I talked about, mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, first you guys are doing custom builds. Yeah. Not because you necessarily say, hey, let's do custom builds, mm-hmm. but for other reasons. That people are ha- saying, hey, I love your work. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Because I actually had that same exact conversation with Tucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on the podcast uh-huh. about uh, seven, eight weeks ago. So, yeah. Merritt? Mer- 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, and it was the same exact thing. Yeah, he's like, I don't. Beautiful oh, homes. Yeah, he does. He, he does. He, he does. Like yeah. yeah. He's like, he's it, awesome. it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to set out to build a construction company. It yeah. was like, Hey, we see you guys on Instagram. Uh-huh. Yeah. We see your, we, we're walking through your houses. Yeah. What would it take for you to build a house for me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was similar along those lines. I think like we started off with spec homes and, and, and using other contractors, you know, and then we realized again, like, hey, I think we can build this out and do it ourselves, you know. And so we started uh, doing some spec homes. And then yes, like I think 
from those, we would have open houses and that at the spec home sales. And then it'd be like, well, what else do you guys have? What other land do you have? And then it's like, oh, well, we don't really have any land, but we could get some land, you know, <laughs> if you want us to build for you, then, yeah. you know, we don't want to turn on any opportunities. So then, you know, that, yeah, so it, it evolved to that. Um, I don't think we, I don't know if we envision it to be where it is right now. It, it definitely has taken on a life of its own in a good way. Um, there's a lot of learning curves on the real, on the construction side though. I mean, it's completely different. The wholesale operation, you can run a very lean operation. You can run like, so our operation right now has like four or five people, right? And that's the whole business and it's seven figures and it does great. Um, but you can do that with just you know, a couple sales guys and a, mm. you know, assistant and transaction coordinator kind of thing. So, um, construction can't do that. Right. Yeah. Like there's, there's the, especially when you're doing custom builds for clients, like they expect you to be there on a daily basis, you know, and maybe not meet with them daily, but like weekly you have to update them and, and they want to know what's going on. And so we've realized our sweet spot for, you know, um, project managers about four homes, you know, on average. Um, and so per, uh, per, Per project manager yeah. is but doing like four months? custom homes oh, four, at a time, at, time. Yeah. at a time. Just four projects that they can run at a time. Got it. So when they finish one, we'll give them another one. But um, but with that, there's so many other things that goes with it, right? You have a selections coordinator, you have an assistant, you have like the general contractor. You so you know when you when you look at and you have all the trucks and you know all the equipment that goes with it. So so when you're running that construction operation. Um, it's it's no joke on the overhead side it, it gets to be expensive so you don't have the same profitability like you do in wholesale and flipping no no I, what would you say it is i think it's close but it, it it's definitely not able to run near as lean the and difference is like you you might go do 15 million in gross revenue on your on your construction business or you know whereas you might do a few million in gross revenue mm -hmm. on, on your wholesale flipping business but you're saying the profitability is still like in the i mean it's still decent but uh, i think for us right now we're still in I would still call it, I don't want to call it infancy because it's, it's been running for a while, but we're still learning, you know, yeah. and I think that if, I think yeah. there's guys that get 30, 40 years into it and they've really dialed it in. And I think then you could see some things that are really cool. Uh, for us, we're, we're more concerned with the experience mm -hmm. um, right now, just trying to make sure it's a good experience for us and for the customer. Yeah. That I don't know if we run as lean as we could because we're trying our best to not skip beats, you know? So like for us, our wholesale business, we're, we're targeting a 50% profitability. Um, what do you guys target? That's awesome. What do you guys target on your construction? construction? Um, right now, I think we're running at thirty. Yeah. Um, like, and that's for us. That's a good. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So if we can, if we could keep that, it'd be a pretty good thing. Um, there's some jobs, and that's why we stopped doing remodel work because no one wants to pay for a remodel, and no one knows that's open heart surgery, and <laughs> it's just like it's really. There's a few jobs when they're cosmetic. Yeah, mm -hmm. you have a good return, but when you start ripping things out, you know. Change orders, uh, change orders, mm -hmm. and customers get a little grumpy because they don't realize that they just told you to tear down 17 walls, but your job should still compl be completed on the same date. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and why did my budget just shift? Even though you just added Viking appliances to my kitchen, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right? That's what that's like the like the the bummer part of that. So we just stopped. We don't offer remodels to anyone because people don't value it. Yeah, no, I, I think that totally makes sense. Everyone underestimates how much work is involved. Yeah, in in, in a remodel. Mm -hmm. um, so then the other thing, because uh, you and I, so we're both, or we're all in, in, in CG together. So we were, mm -hmm. uh, um, funny enough, on the same flight there. Mm -hmm. So we were talking. And one of the things I said is, like, I hate flipping. Mm -hmm. And you basically said to me, well, you're doing it wrong. And I was like, because I don't want to do any work. He's like, 
What was your response? Do you remember? I don't remember what my response was. It was basically like you shouldn't be doing any of the work. Yeah. Right? Like that should all right. be delegated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, delegation's an awesome word. That's my favorite word probably in business. Yeah. Like, I mean, if it, and, and, you know, you get to a point where you have no choice but to delegate. Like when you're running multiple businesses, and you know this, like you, you run multiple businesses just mm -hmm. and, and you do a phenomenal job at it. And you so, can. you know, when it comes to doing that, there's no way you can do everything. You can't wear all the hats. And I think sometimes that does frustrate maybe some of the employees when they see like, oh man, you're just pushing these responsibilities off, you know, to us. But it's like, hey, you know, in this eight hour window, we got to deal with this whole plethora of different businesses, you know, mm -hmm. there's problems, there's fires always that you're putting out in any business. And so just compound that by, you know, four or five. And oh yeah, the level of complexities. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So then, so we got the construction 2011, then what was the next business? Then I think we kind of took a little, yeah. uh, you know, hiatus for a minute on like creating the new businesses. Um, I know we, we brought on the development side of it cause it, it kind of goes hand in hand obviously with the construction side. Mm -hmm. Um, and then since then, we've also added a plumbing company as well, um, which has been a great experience. We found a, there, there's a, a good friend of Brad's um, that has been doing for about 20 years. And so, you know, he just had some frustrations with not having the processes, the people, the technology, you know, kind of that pyramid. So um, we obviously came from that background. So, in, and I think that we're, we're pretty good at it. We're working on a lot of things always. Um, but I think we saw it, that was a really good, uh, relationship. So we, we merged together. Um, so plumbing is awesome because turns out it's recession proof. Like people always have to poop, right? So, I mean, <laughs> there's always going to be a need for a plumber. It's like owning a funeral home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of the best businesses. Uh, and there's so many, you know, different ways you can make money in the plumbing, right? Like new construction service, you know, remediation work. And so, um, so that that's actually been really fun for us to to work with with that. Uh, it's the first time we ever merged with someone, and and it's it's uh, growing like crazy. We're just hiring nonstop. It seems like we're always trying to find plumbers, which are really hard to find. But if anyone on the show, if if anyone here knows a good plumber, <laughs> we are looking to hire. So it seems like perpetually. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of the I guess all the businesses that I can think of. Is there anything I missed? I thought there was another one. No, that's it. That's all of them. <laughs> so HVAC is coming next year. That's so what it was. plumbing always has to have the HVAC component to it. So and there's another good friend of ours that um, he had an HVAC company for a long time. So we're like, hey, we already have the plumbing side figured out. We have mm -hmm. a dispatcher in place, and the and the facilities there and everything. So it's like, hey, that that's the next. So what it sounds like is you've got your operations running, mm -hmm. and because you got your operations running, people are coming to you. It's like, hey, here's a business I have and you can look at it and evaluate each one and say, okay, is that something we want to partner with or not? Yeah. It's, yeah. Kind of a cool experience with that was Jason, the the plumber, the light, the guy that holds the license, you know, and, and a good friend of mine. Um, one of our meetings, you know, we're, we're sitting here in an L10, which is super foreign to him because he's never been in any of this. And he brings up says, Hey, I was just talking to a buddy of mine and he, he saw some things and how they were changing and he's an electrician. Would you guys be interested in doing the same thing, you mm -hmm. know? And so we haven't pursued that because we're not ready. Mm -hmm. you know, for it. But I mean, I think it just brings new opportunities all the time. And I think it goes back to your point of the of delegation. That's, that's when you start realizing, okay, time blocking becomes really, really important. And I'm yeah. horrible at it. Like, mm -hmm. cause I'm also one of those people that likes to be hands on all the time. And yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, I think that's one of the, the fun things, right? For anyone that's listening and that's as an entrepreneur is like, you, you want to learn wholesaling, right? You want to learn marketing, you want to learn sales and mm -hmm and running a business and so on. But the really cool thing is once you get good at running one business, yeah, 
you can scale that into other businesses. Mm-hmm. And that's like the funnest thing. And I think that, you know, for anyone that's so struggling right now, like that is the upside, yeah. you know, like I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like, you know, wanting to travel and having mm-hmm. all the free time and work for our work weeks. I think there's, that's also an option, mm-hmm. but for us right here where we're entrepreneurial junkies, mm-hmm. like yep. starting that next business is fun. And it's actually, you have to have the discipline to say no, yeah. <laughs> but hardest word. Yep. But when you find those opportunities, it's it's magic because you already have the systems in place. They've mm-hmm. got a good business, and you can yeah partner up. Yeah, it was yeah. like to that point. It was like when we opened up Michigan, right? It was like mm-hmm. we'd we'd figured out how to wholesale here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a sales rep here that we, we loved, and he seemed great for us, and it was working here. And then he needed to move back home, and he's like, "Would you guys consider opening a branch here?" So I knew I forgot one. What did we that do? Was there you go. One. What did, what did we do? Six days sign. later, we yeah. bought an office building and we're up and running in another place. And we're like, holy crap, yeah, this does work. Like you can rinse and repeat this. Mm-hmm. It's, it is very, very different going that far away. That is something we're not sure. We haven't mm-hmm. figured out yet, I don't think, to run from a distance, but mm-hmm. you, you got to go there on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, we're going to be learning that soon yeah. because we're, we're expanding to Albuquerque. Oh, oh nice. Um, so one of the things we talked about is um, you're running multiple seven figure businesses mm-hmm. insanely. So let's talk about that. Because you've got four or five kids? Five. You got five. So does he. Five, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so you guys have a lot of things going on. Even more in common, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how do you guys balance all of that? So, because you're talking about running your business sanely, like how do you run multiple businesses mm-hmm. and balance that with family? And how do you keep everything sane? Yeah, he mentioned time blocking. And I think the one of the biggest things that we did um, we got a consultant to come in. Um, that was huge for us. That was in 2019 or 18? 18. 18. 18. Uh, uh, Gary Harper, I know a lot of people have, have used him in the show, I'm sure. Um, He's coming here next week for me. There's your plug, Gary. Um, but uh, no, he, he did great for us. And, and it was, he kind of opened up our eyes a little bit. Um, he helped us get traction going and the level 10 meetings. BC and Books, kind of missed one. Oh yeah, BC books. Yeah, sorry. As we're talking, we'll probably think of other things that are kind of going. It's an accounting around. service with some CPA services <laughs> and tax strategy, one. but I forgot about that's that. my next venture I'm working on slowly. Yeah, it's smart. Um, yeah, so I mean, we uh, crap. I just lost my train. Sorry, where, where was I at? You were talking about Gary and how he brought clarity. Yeah, yeah. That. Okay, so he introduced uh, traction mm-hmm. right in level ten meeting. So for people that um, are not familiar, definitely pick up that book. You know, read it. Um, so what we did was we incorporated, we had, we went from pretty much never having meetings or just ad hoc meetings, right? Whenever never there was having a fire. Meetings? Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got a minute meeting? Yeah. So um, th- those are bad. He, he's the worst of that. He'll always like pop in like, hey, you got a minute? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. It's horrible. This is an afternoon. This is, this is not going to go good. So, um, but yeah. I've, I've gotten better. He has. I repented. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and really I think a big piece of that was we actually put in, uh, hey, every week you're meeting, you know, and you have a level 10 meeting and you get to rate the meeting at the end. Like, how was it? You know, how can we improve? And so, you know, people I'm sure think that we're always in meetings, but they're very purposeful and they have uh, a very specific reason. There's an issues list. Like if there's ever an issue, like got a minute, hey, put it on the issues list. We're going to talk about on Thursday, mm-hmm. you know. And so it gets to the point where you don't have those distractions because there's so many distractions as there is, right? So so I think that was a big piece. And then what we did was we realized, okay, we have a core business. Um, it's like the trunk, right? And then from that, as long as you feed that thing and as and any opportunity that comes our way, it can't be out in left field. It can't, it has to be attached to that tree. Like, so that's why we're doing HVAC, plumbing, you know, like we have the construction, the property management, it, it all, it, it all works together, right? Mm-hmm. We're benefiting from all of those things with all the projects that we're doing, right? Yeah, you got vertical, um, synergy. 
Yes. Yeah. Yep. Great way to put it. Yeah. So. So, but then, so level 10 attraction. So that's one part. That can't mm -hmm. be the only part. That can't be the magic key. For, so for no. me, for me, like, this yeah. might be cheesy, but I would say my wife. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, like our dishwasher went out yesterday and I'm running to Lowe's, pick up a dishwasher and she's helping me install it at 11 o'clock at night. Like she's, a, she's a trooper. Your yeah. wife can install a dishwasher. I mean, she can help me. Oh. She, she, she uh, but you know what I mean? Like I, she, say, I can't install a dishwasher. <laughs> I can't either. Yeah. So, we would not be so, doing that. But I mean, you know what I'm mean? saying? Like we're just, um, th there's not a whole lot. I think that's gonna like, don't get me wrong. Her buttons get pushed. If I like get tunnel vision and I go home and I'm still like, Mm -hmm. can't focus on home you know but but i think that that for me i think that's what's helping with the with the sanity right it's like you, you have five kids at home and right now we're homeschooling our kids because everything is a little bit crazy and mm -hmm. and she's owning it right yeah. like and she's like completely owned the the household and i don't that's not a sexist thing or like anything like that it's just like i couldn't do that i couldn't do both and i couldn't do i couldn't be involved on the other side as much as i am without her putting in what she's putting on that side yeah so. Uh, you mentioned time blocking earlier. Yeah. Can you expand upon that? Yeah, I'm horrible at it and um, <laughs> I really am, but I'm getting a lot better. Like I'm, it's something that I consciously make an effort to get better at. Mm -hmm. um, similar to not walking in and saying, you have a minute unless I've taken a zip fizz and I can't contain myself. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I tell myself, okay, from these, in these two hours, one, I've got a little bit of scripture study and then I've got catch up on some emails and then don't look at my emails for this long and I actually got to where I turned my notifications off on like I don't get really notified on my watch and I don't have them on the face of my phone anymore or mm -hmm. on the status bar because I'm like they were eating up way too much time and it's yeah. not real effective time and so th then it allowed me to say okay I know that I'm going these three days to this project to look at development progress and I know what times I'm going to go in the morning and so I kind of already know what to expect those days and then there's always infill stuff you know yeah. stuff that you don't expect but right the fires that happen throughout the day yeah mm -hmm. um is there a third partner or is it just the two of you there's a third partner yeah so his name's nick mm -hmm. and uh he is the license holder for the contracting side it used to be my dad mm -hmm. um uh he's he still holds an active license and then uh, my brother's been in there and he's worked we've worked together with him also for probably seven eight years oh wow uh, mm -hmm. he kind of started out doing the maintenance on the property management side and he's always been in the contracting side or you know that construction world and and got to the point where he's like hey man I, under this license I've I ran the last 15 spec homes and when we did this little development of seven homes I was in the middle of it like I'm gonna go get my license yeah so that's where it was um any other tips you know for people with lots of kids I mean to his point business? yeah like and I mean, each business is like a baby I mean so like it is yeah um <laughs> I mean I, I I don't know any real successful entrepreneur uh you know that doesn't have an amazing wife behind them right mm -hmm. like they, they don't get all the credit and if you don't have a supportive spouse you know wife husband or whatever like it, it, it's hard you know especially if you have kids you know I, I really sympathize uh with with people that are having to struggle with you know um having to do both right mm -hmm. like that I my hat is tipped to you like that's incredible um I have so much respect for you but without question like if it weren't for our amazing wives and it's funny they also do like the design work you know so i guess that would be another business you know that we also have run and yeah. and, and they were running it off they did an awesome job um kind of the same thing where people are like hey we love your homes who designs them yeah. so there was a natural, strange thing they got pregnant yeah and then of course you know we ruined that for them so um so they haven't they haven't been doing that for about a year um yeah. but i think that they'll eventually get back into it because they 
they really do love it and they're business partners, which is just kind of funny. And, That's awesome. And so, um, yeah, I, you know, I think, I think we've always decided to do it the hardest way, right? Like everyone says, don't have partnership, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I've heard lots of people come on your show and, and preach against it or for it or whatever. And, and I preach it, against it all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do actually, even though you have a partner, <laughs> right? Multiple partners. <laughs> so you've seen the light, but, but it's also hard. My wife always hates it when I say it's like another marriage. Um, but honestly, like there's some things, I mean, it, it doesn't have the benefits of some marriage side, but uh, there's, there, <laughs> we're, going there, we're live, right? Oh, crap. <laughs> um, but you know, there, you have to make sure that you're also taking time together and you have to, um, the, the communication aspect of it is, is crucial. Like, and, and we've had our issues, right? Like it's not been pretty at times. Like mm -hmm. there's been some really rough patches like if anyone wants some great stories come talk to us about all the things <laughs> that just drive each other crazy um, but i think we've learned eventually to be like oh that's just who he is that's that's and then you have to learn just like with personality assessments right like mm -hmm. when you figure out oh this person's this profile right and this is how they like to communicate and this is their love language and this is how they want to be treated right and then we're all different yeah if you can figure that part out then i think you're going to be fine you'll be successful but you have to check your ego sometimes. Like you have to be like, I'm gonna let you run with this one, you know, and I'm, I'm gonna step back. And, and I know he does that with me and, and I try and do it with him like, hey, I want you to run with that business and stay in your lane. And then he's gonna run that business and stay in his lane. Cause there's things that he knows when he starts talking about dirt work and uh, like machinery, I literally, I, it's like he's speaking Spanish to me. Yeah. Like he starts going off on like, oh yeah, we need this for plumbing and blah, blah, blah. And we need to put this culver in. And I'm like, I don't even know what any, thing you just said, right? I don't know anything about construction, <laughs> but I'm a construction company. Um, and, and so there's things that he says. And then if you were to ask us, well, what are your KPIs? Like, what are your marketing? Like, what's all that? Like, he probably wouldn't no know clue. a lot of that mm -hmm. because yeah. we just stay in our own lanes, you yeah. know? Um, so let's go back to, I mean, what most people are listening to is wholesale and flipping. Mm -hmm. So we went through all your different businesses, but let's go back to, I think you said the trunk. Yeah. All right. So yeah. let's talk about your Love business. It. Okay. What what does your wholesaling flipping company look like right now? Uh, like how many people are in it? Like uh, what? volume and then yeah, the organization. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think we're on track. Like we were going to do about 70, 75 homes, you know, mm -hmm. that we're wholesaling and flipping this year. Um, it, it, it's a weird year. Every year is so different, right? Like, I mean, Arizona is just, a, it's crazy. But the interesting thing is you can do less now and obviously make more money. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we noticed. So our average flip um, is about 30,000. Wholesale is about 25,000. So they're not too different, which is why a lot of people are going to wholesaling. So we went, we were doing a lot of flips, you know, um, a couple of years ago or even up to last year, we were doing flips. This year we went to the wholesale. It just makes so much more sense, you yeah. know, just with the numbers. So that $5,000 difference doesn't, I mean, it's so worth it to take the money now, then wait, you know, with the risk and the headaches. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that, that's kind of where we're at with that business. Um, and, and it's lean, you know, it, it runs well, but not about 50% it, margin mark, but you know, uh, is it, is it, uh, where you have, cause we have, you know, our average fee mm -hmm. is I think, High 13s, low 14s. Okay. Average wholesale fee. Mm -hmm. Average flip profit is like 18 or 19, mm -hmm. right? Not amazing. Yeah. But part of that has to do with we will buy what we can't wholesale. Mm -hmm. So, like, yes, that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. We're, yeah. We are reluctant flippers. Yeah. So, we only flip like the stuff where we're like, okay, we couldn't wholesale it. Mm -hmm. And so, I think for that reason, our margins 
our, that's the reason why I think our flip profit is so close to our wholesale fee. Yeah, that makes sense. Is that something that's experiencing that you guys experience when you're 25 to 30? Like mm-hmm. if you guys were intentional with your flipping, mm-hmm. it's like we we're going to be flippers only and we're only going to buy the right ones. Sure. Would that 30 be more like 40, 45? Yeah, I think we mm-hmm. can do that. And yeah. I, one of the biggest things that helped, I think, on that side of the business was ha- getting a superintendent dedicated to just flips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the past, we had kind of crossed uh, cross trained a, a super that would have like one or two customer remodels mixed with our flips. Oh. And it was the wrong approach. Mm-hmm. He was years. super yeah. talented, Would've. you know what I mean? But like, yeah, when you've got a naggy customer, then all of a sudden your flips, which have a higher interest, potentially carry cost, they, and get, more profit. they get backburned. Yep. Yeah, right? Yeah, we get backburned. So, yeah, well, making we're that, not going to be that pesky customer. Yes, and making that switch, I feel like was such an awesome move. Yeah. We got to where it was like, okay, we know we're going to turn every home around in about 30 days. Um, that's our average turn time. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really good. And yeah. we're, we kill the budgets now. And so, we might get more into flips, you know, if wholesales get harder to to do, but I don't know, that's, that's, yeah, that's your role. I, I think there, so. is a, there is a piece of the reluctant, right? Like if we can't wholesale it, sure, we'll take it down and, and we're fine doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then there's also the piece you also have to make sure that that person has enough work uh, as well. So we always will, e- even if we're like, we could still almost make the same money, we're, we're still gonna give him at least two to three projects to run because we know that's his number. Yeah, keep him employed. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just and he'll just keep going and he's awesome. Like yeah. we, we've been super blessed to have him this year. You know, it just makes such a huge difference because it is, it's a different gear, like you said. You can't yeah. go from a, a, a remodel with a very needy customer to a flip. Especially if you got, you know, um, you get the, uh, the was it the, the uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Mm-hmm. So like 100%. even though <laughs> that's always been our frustration with flips. Yes. Yeah. So you have to service her because she's gonna keep complaining, mm-hmm. but you don't want to service her because you're yeah. not. It's costing you money. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what does your organization look like as far as the um, people in uh, in servicing all these different companies? Yeah. Oh, on the wholesale side or or over. Well, overall? I guess we'll we'll go with the wholesale flips. Okay. Yeah. On the wholesale side, um, you know, we have a transaction coordinator. Uh, we had two acquisition agents, and then um, we have yeah, like our guy that's running the construction side. I think that's everyone. Um, hopefully I'm not. We, and then of course we have like the accounting department that helps us out on that side. But but they're also over all the businesses. You know, yeah. so there is some cross um, there. But um, that's it. Like there's not there's not a whole lot of uh, it's not crazy personnel. Overhead. It's just not yeah. yeah. And and of course they're 1099. You know right. the sales guys are. So there's just not. We've we've kind of gone back and forth with having a lead intake um, as well as sales agents. And and I think there's definitely an argument to have a lead intake so that you know you have checks and balances and they're checking up on the sales guys and stuff. So, but then on the other side. You know, when you have a really good salesperson, they kind of like to be able to take the phone and they know start to finish. They run it right to the end. Yeah. So yeah, uh, done it both ways. Um, there's not necessarily right or wrong. It just depends on the company. I think I think it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does. Yeah. And so um, with with everything you got set up right now, like um, I guess you got one person running the books. Um, she's managing, he or she mm-hmm. is managing all of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause I kind of have that situation right now with mine and it's been pretty convenient. Yeah. Because awesome. we slam all the companies into just one. Yeah. Um, all right. You so just we, have one person right now doing all your books or yeah. do they have an assistant or anything like that? Uh, I meet with her once Kay. a week for an hour. Oh. And she manages, and she has one assistant that kind of does like the, uh, uh-huh. The data entry stuff. The data entry stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I'll complain to her. It's like, hey, this is wrong. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I review it. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. But 
Uh, all right, so we got uh, Marquis Dequan wants to know, is fix and flipping still sexy in a down market? First, it's always going to yeah. be. Like, yeah. the thing is, there's a, there's opportunity everywhere. It's just uh, some people start to look away from it. Like, I remember when we were getting going and repos were starting to dry up. You probably remember that time, and it's starting mm -hmm. to pivot into a short sell market. Mm -hmm. And wasn't sure what to do, so I booked a trip up to Winnipeg, Manitoba, and because I was looking at arbitrage, like the exchange rate. You make they're making thirty cents every dollar they bring to the U.S. Mm -hmm. So I go up there and I meet with a bunch of newspaper uh, printers and and whatnot, and find the guys that hey, these guys send the most articles to this age group, and held, we held a little seminar, and they came down, and it was in a depressed market that was still going down. Mm -hmm. But next thing you know, eighty people show up, and we're still working with a bunch of those mm -hmm. people today. Yeah, you know where they just oh, really? they, yeah same awesome. investors like and wow. I, I get a call from one of them uh, last week and he's like hey so what's going on in Michigan I'm ready to fire it up and I'm like and we just finished selling a couple of his homes and mm -hmm. here in Phoenix and like so I think in a down market you just have to think a little bit outside of the box yeah yeah because when we're down other countries are up so some of our investors one came from he was in Saudi Arabia at the time mm -hmm. when we came down we got him and he things were good for him at that time um, and same thing with like Canada so interesting yeah. Uh, so David Martinez wants to know what are you guys doing right now for wholesaling? Because this is a, this is a competitive market. Mm -hmm. What are you guys doing? Our marketing. Yeah. So on, on the marketing side, we do postcards. Um, we, um, we a lot of a lot of it we were doing on our own as far as like getting uh, the lists and scrubbing them and then you know sending out the the mail pieces and everything. Uh, now we have you know delegated that mm -hmm. uh investor machine right now does um everything for us and and so so jason lewis is a good friend of ours and and he's been into masterminds with us in in two different masterminds um so that the, he, he's just he's good at what he does he's he is. really really smart and yeah. so he's uh he's, he's kind of figured out the list side better than what we could do i think and so or, well, or he's automated it he has he knows yeah. the list we know the list yes we know which list to target uh-huh He's automated. He has automated it. He's got a lot of VAs. He's yeah. he's mastered VAs. Like yeah. he's like the the guru when it comes to that. And so so yeah, like we started with him a couple months ago. It's been good, but as you know, I mean like it I don't know if it was the same way for you guys, but November was just hard. It was mm -hmm. horrible for us. Um and and it was funny cuz we were talking to all these other wholesalers and and they're all saying the same thing like I don't know what's going on. It's kind of crickets right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the elections and stuff had something to do with it. Yep. Um, but Everyone it, it's definitely picked back up. All the marketing. Yeah, I'm sure. It's yeah. crazy. So yeah, um, postcards is, is a big piece of it. Facebook has also been really good. We we have a company that uh, we work with. It's um, uh, you know we we'll probably get one to two uh, deals from that every month, and so um, they've been good. And then we just started up with uh, another marketing agency in Scottsdale, and they've also been helping out with some of the Google Ads and and those kind of things. And so. Um, it's been fun to see, you know, all these different approaches and, and looking at, you know, the KPIs and what makes the most sense. So yeah. you're always adjusting, always, right? Like it's like on a monthly basis, you have to look at the numbers and say, oh, like what's making money, what's not. And then you adjust, you know, your budget. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's the fun stuff, right? So yeah, it every, is. Every I love week. that stuff. The marketing, you have to love marketing. I think if you want to be successful, you have to have, or you have to have someone in your business that loves marketing. If you don't, you're, you're going to be in trouble. You need an analytical person. Yes. And that too. Yep. Yeah. I, I didn't know what a KPI was like full transparency. I didn't know what a KPI was until like, I think 2017 or something mm -hmm. like 2018. I was like, what the heck is a KPI? and I think it was because we went to a, to a mastermind and they, and they were like, 
spitting all these numbers. Well, what's your cost per acquisition? Like, what's your, you know, keep, and I'm like, what in the world? And I'm like, it's a high-end chocolate, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm in the wrong place. Well, so. And I think that's best the evolution, right? And I think also mm -hmm. when everything's really good, yeah. KPIs don't really matter as much. I mean, they matter, but they're yes. not as, as critical. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, like what Buffett says, right? When the water goes out, you can see who's swimming naked, and that's exactly. the KPIs where it really matters. Yeah, Because those that don't have KPIs yeah. are going to wash out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're in this market in Arizona, forget it. If you don't know what a KPI is, you, you're getting run over, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's going to hit you hard. Like, you just wasted all your money. You yeah. know, like, that's just what it comes down to because it's it's so competitive. But back then, like you said, a lot of things, you could mask a lot of mistakes because you're making money. Mm -hmm. and so, But you don't know all the opportunities you're missing out on just oh, well, because you weren't looking at it. I mean, that's my biggest regret. I mean, I had a freaking gold mine with, with PPC, right? I mean. You did. I did. That's right. And yeah. I completely blew it because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Just what you had. Yeah, like how much was it per per click? It was two dollars a click, twelve dollars <laughs> per lead for now, motivated sellers where oh. there's no competition. <laughs> oh blew it. You just didn't know what you were sitting on. I didn't know yeah. what I was sitting on. Just totally yeah. blew it. Oh, oh that's gosh. funny. Um really funny what's that. All right. So for uh Marquis uh, has a follow up question. Any tips for wholesalers trying to transition into fixing and flipping? I don't know if I would do it. I don't know why you'd want. I mean, it, it's it's good, kind of like what you talked about. If you if it's going to be a matter of a deal or no deal, mm -hmm. and you know that there's meat on it, then great, take it. But I mean, it, it's tough to do the transition in this market. And I don't know where he's uh, lived. Does it show where he lives? No, it doesn't. Um, so it depends on the market, but here in Arizona, there would be no reason why I would do that. So it's very specific to your market. Um, just because there's plenty of people right now that you can sell to and you can get almost any list and be able to sell it to, to people right now. Um, mm -hmm. but if, if he wants to, I don't know if you have any, yeah, my, the me. only feedback I would have is, uh, is crawl before you walk. Like if I was good, if I could go back and say, I remember some of my first flips, they were very cosmetic. They were 2008, 2009, yeah, that's or, a good point. you know, type builds or 2007 builds, you know, even. It's really easy. You know, so mm -hmm. it was real easy. Like these are like lipstick on, on pig legitimately type, that yeah. type of deal. So that would be my only advice would be like, don't don't get in and try and move walls and rearrange plumbing and, uh, you know, do something crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're gonna overwhelm yourself. We're you still, could. so I, I, I set a hard rule for Max and he's, of course, he stepped right over it's it. Pushing it, yeah. Yeah. So it's like we're not moving any walls. Yeah. Like we'll we'll if we're gonna take anything if we're gonna take anything down, we're not moving any walls. Yeah. He's like, well, it's only one wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true salesman, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree uh, for that reason. Yeah. Start with the cosmetic. If you're gonna do a flip, make sure that it's basic, right? Yeah. Paint, touch up, uh, and, and then get into the crazy stuff. But when we did the, when we actually looked at our KPIs, we realized there was a massive, it wasn't even close. The divide between the crazy rehabs where you're moving walls versus the ones that were cosmetic, I bet you there was like a 20,000 on average difference per house. Like mm -hmm. it was it was like substantially more. So, But that, you gotta work your way up there. You do, yeah. I mean, now it's a lot better. Now we have someone dedicated to it and we can yeah. do that, but we still don't want to. We still want to get the cosmetic ones. Yeah, yeah, get the fast ones. Yeah. We want to sell those. To a flipper. Yes. Let uh, them deal with it. All right. Leo Guire wants to know, what is your why? So I listened to a podcast by Ed Milet. Is that how you say his last name? Mm -hmm. Milet, yeah. Um, and, uh, and and they were actually talking. It was, he had a, a neuroscientist on there. And um, he was talking about um, the uh, pleasure zones in your brain. And he was talking about dopamine specifically. And, and he was saying that, 
the guys that are super successful in life and in business, um, uh, and, and, and the guys that have just kind of been able to master um, their their craft or or their themselves, like the David Gogans of the world, and you know those um, Navy Seals, like all these guys that we really look up to, um, they realize that it was not like the 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 huge dopamine releases did not come from the achievement itself. It did not come from oh I finally got that house or I finally got that money or I finally got the girl or whatever it was. Like it actually didn't come at yeah. that time. It came through the process. Like you have to realize like you have to enjoy the process, you know? And and the struggle is the fun part. Like as soon as you start to embrace and enjoy the suck mm -hmm. in life mm -hmm. and as soon as you start to actually like seek it out right like i'm doing 75 hard right now i would always make fun of people doing these challenges right mm -hmm. i was that guy 100 i'm like why would you run a marathon why would you so this is very true why would you want to like an <laughs> iron man like you guys are idiots you know and so i would make fun of them all the time and now i'm doing it myself but i it's finally like clicking because Brad's always been super disciplined and super like healthy and fit and everything. And I'm like the slacker. Right. And so, but I think it's finally so clicked. really blessed with good genes over here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I have some really funny stories about that. If we had time, it would be, you would, it would be a good time. Uh, yeah. I'm known as the candy man in our office. And so, yeah, like I, I, I love carbs, all that kind of stuff. But, um, but, but I think it, when it goes back to his question, I think, um, when it comes down to like our why, I think it's enjoying on a daily basis the grind and the struggle and, and not looking at, at things as, as failures, you know, but looking at every, like, you know, anytime you have a, a really tough fire, you know, for instance, that, that happened recently, or anytime you have like something that really, uh, what was a struggle, you, I, I think we, we grow the most from those uh, mm -hmm. experiences. And, and it's the same thing in our marriage and, and same thing just in life. So I think my why is just like, I love showing up to work every day. I really do. I love Monday mornings. I love going and and just embracing like the challenges. And, and so anyways, that was very long winded. I apologize to whoever asked the question. But, uh, but I, I mean, I completely uh, uh, agree with that. Like, and that's for me, like if anytime my wife's like, hey, you know, like I need you to stay home on Monday. Mm -hmm. so, no. Oh, it's the worst. Not Monday. Yeah. <laughs> That's my day. Come on. It's not Saturday. You know, it's, it's Monday. Yeah. yeah. So how about you? Yeah. I mean, to the whole grow through what you go through, you know, yeah. mindset, what you're talking about. I, um, I, I watched my family kind of lose everything in the, in the crash, you know, um, which is why a lot of us migrated here from Texas. And, and so, um, I hate to say that my why is financial freedom. It's not necessarily financial freedom. I think it's more like um, keeping peace, so to speak. Because I watched what it did to like the like the economics of, of a family. You know, mm -hmm. when you go from stability for 30, 40 years to complete instability, to you know, where you're you're literally like digging a hole in your back pasture to bury possessions type of instability. Like um, it, I, for me, it it just I went from that to doing cash for keys with people and I just got to this point where I'm like I want and anyone that I'm around like I really want to see people succeed I don't want to see any more of that like I would love um, I've been in a work environment where there's someone that wants to sit at the top and they don't want you to you, they don't want you to elevate your game mm -hmm. which is why our why we, we believe in elevate together like that's our that's that's what we believe in and I, I think that is my, my why is like I want 
like I actually really loved it. I never, because I'm not a podcaster, truth be told. Yeah. But when you said like you're on a mission to to help create a certain number of millionaires, mm -hmm. like I love that because because mm -hmm. it, it means you're not all about. It's not all about you. Like I don't necessarily live in the fanciest home, you know. And for five years, I cleaned horse stalls morning and night for a few extra bucks because it was an option for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't need. It wasn't because we weren't making actually great great money. It was because I was like, oh, it's there. I'll do it. Like that's a little sacrifice. I'll, I'll, I'll take that for the, I'll keep that for the family type mm -hmm. of thing, you know? And so I think it was just, I think it's more of that, like, um, freedom for peace. Like, so when you do create a little bit of financial freedom, you, you can keep the peace, I think within your home a lot easier. Yeah. And I, I value that after seeing enough people have none of it. Yeah. And so, and you got to experience mm -hmm. it on the, on, on, you know, the, the traumatic side Yeah. on the mm -hmm. cash for keys. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I mean, that was really painful for me. So I actually stopped. Yeah doing Smart. that all together. Um, so Blake Kircher wants to know how important is mindset and being successful in your business? Wanna go first? You know, I think uh, this, I think a lot of times entrepreneurs have, we have, like I'm sure I'm guilty of it all the time, but have a tendency to wanna be arrogant, right? Like, like, whoa, look at me, look at me. You know what I mean? I, I, I think we see that a lot, especially in this sector, mm -hmm. you know, right? Is everyone's <laughs> like, crouching in front of their new Lambo, you know, like, let's, uh, sorry if I just offended some people. I don't really care actually, because I don't, I don't really care about that. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, just being true to who you are, right? Like, so be true. So if your why is about whatever it's about, like stay true to that. Um, unless it's about just because you want a Lamborghini, you know, yeah. I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? Like I, that for me, I think mindset is just, uh, that's what gives you the ability to get up every day and go pound through all your obstacles because mm -hmm. you can look at it and say, yeah, here's why I'm doing this. No problem. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. And I think that's something that's uh, understated is that mental toughness, mm -hmm. right? It's getting punched in the mouth and mm -hmm. getting right back up. Yeah. You know, and something else I've realized more and more is culture is everything in an organization. Like your people are your most important, valuable asset, right? And so, it, and it's and it's a struggle sometimes. Like, I mean, it's it's something that we we work on every day. We're not perfect at it. Um, our motto is elevate together, and we make sure that everyone understands that, knows that. Um, but I have realized uh, more so than ever that it starts at the top, you set the tone. And so if you're a business owner and, and you show up and you're in a bad mood, get over it. Like you need to get over it and you need to get over yourself because it's not about you because now we have 35 different mouths to feed, you know, and, and all our families with that. So there's a huge responsibility. So you need to show up to work like ready to go and you need to show up with a good attitude because, um, they're depending on you, you know, right. and, and, and they'll feed off of your energy. It's real. Like I a hundred percent believe in like the energy, you know, the aura, like around people, like if he walks in someday and I know he's in a bad mood, I know something happened, you know, right. And I'm like, Hey, don't go to his office. Cause I know <laughs> he knows the same about me, I'm sure. And, and, but you know, it, it's something that we struggle with. We're not perfect at it, but, I, but I'm working on it. And, and it is something that I've realized more and more like, man, they really do pay attention to everything you do. They're yeah. watching you all the time. Yeah. It's not just, uh, what you say. Yeah. hundred percent. Right, yeah. Uh, so Ralph wants to know, Ralph Payne wants to know, what does your daily schedule look like? We're, we're, we're not good for that one, Ralph. Um, so <laughs> don't, don't model us, you know, that's another one that uh, do what we say, maybe not what we do. Um, but you know, I think, I think it is such a unique, so, so we do have, um, stuff that's concrete <laughs> the meetings that we have, you know, we know that those are, uh, 
non-negotiables. We have non-negotiables throughout our day. Um, but when you own all these different businesses, like you're, you're going to find that there's different fires on a daily basis. Right. And so you do have to be a little bit more flexible and open. I'm at the office a little bit more just to like, you know, be there for the employees and everything that's going on. And, and, and so it, it it's hard to answer that question because it does on a day to day basis change. Uh, kind of, do you have a schedule? I mean, so is your... I, uh, I'm probably similar to that, but I like, I have to exercise in the morning. So I get up my 5:30. I wake up, and I'm like, I and we I work on the garage, and I can zone out there. So that's my space, and I know that if I get a good 45 minutes to an hour in there, I'm good to go, and I get a little bit of reading time in, and then after that, kind of like, uh, then it just depends on what business unit you know I need yeah. to be in for for that day. Like I'll have planned things prior to, just like anybody, right? these meetings are coming because they've already been set, mm -hmm. but really it's like a prioritization. Okay. I know that I have this, this quarterly rock that's getting like I'm behind. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to apply pressure here for the next two hours, you know? Um, but as far as my morning goes, yeah, it's, those are very set things. Just that's like the only thing we can control, right? Like yeah. when you have kids, you realize you have to just wake up earlier and mm -hmm. earlier. Cause yeah. like you only have your alone time for about an hour, hour and a yeah. half. Right. And, and then the day's done, you know, but like that you control what you can control. And so I yeah. Yeah. agree with that. Yeah. It's a, when the kids wakes up, you're in charge of the house. Yep. 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 <laughs> exactly. Um, XRP wants to know, have you found any deals from for sale by owner? We were just talking about this actually. I had a sales rep that just went to one of those appointments. Sell, for sale by owner, th those are a funny beast because typically what uh, what the norm is, is is there's a reason why they're doing it. There's a reason why, uh, and, and it's usually because they want an unreasonable amount. So that mm -hmm. that's the um, majority, but uh, like anything, it, it that's not like the rule. It's not that you can't find for sale by owner deals. And if you're driving for dollars, we do drive for dollars. Um, we take pictures of homes and send postcards to homes that are, you know, dilapidated. So if you found a for sale by owner and it was a piece of crap house with the roof caving in and those kind of things, yeah, that's probably a really good, like, lead. I would take a picture of that, skip, trace it, call them. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's in, like, an HOA neighborhood, you know, it's, it's always worth calling. Like, if you're, if you're driving, why wouldn't you call them and just yeah. say, hey, what's your number? Are you flexible? And then where can we go from there? It's just like any other conversation you would have with anyone. But, you know, usually yeah, they're going to come back with like a crazy number. Like, I don't need to sell and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. um, we haven't had like massive success with that. That's not been our, our number one go-to list. Yeah. But uh, I do know some people that have really good success with uh, for sale by owners for seller financing. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 No, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Uh, so for each one of you guys, what is your favorite, best, or most interesting failure? Mm. Wow. How in the world do you choose from all the failures that <laughs> there are so many of? Oh, man. Um, I have an easy one for me if you want to think a little bit more. Yeah, it, go for it. So uh, 2014, I had to fire my mom. <laughs> Okay. So <laughs> that's a good one. Right. <laughs> and I, beat that. I was under the impression that, so for anybody that works with family, mm -hmm. like that's a tough, that's a tough thing to do. Right. Uh, especially from now that I look back at it, I'm like, you know what? They've, my parents have been through a ton over the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, and I look at it and, and she was, she's always been a bookkeeper, you know, forever. And so she was doing that. And we had gotten to a point in 2014, we're like, oh shoot there's a couple of reasons why we need to do this. One, what we need from her, she can't deliver 
anymore because she doesn't understand maybe doesn't understand some of this and number two she's a total peacekeeper but she's a hub for family drama you know and so new i knew we all knew that it had to happen failure wise how i did it so i thought that she was fully aware that it was happening and that she was like ex kind of excited to step back and then when when family get togethers happen it was no talk we didn't there was no work related stuff yeah that wasn't the case at all so <laughs> It's like, yeah, hey, mom, <laughs> you know, type of thing. You know, you know we don't, I delivered it really poorly. We'll just leave it at that. You yeah. Know? And, and I, but I really did think it was, I really thought it was going to go a different way. And what was the lesson? Uh, lesson I learned was stop, like, don't do things too fast. Like, mm -hmm. think about it. Yeah. I'm one of those people that I like, like, I'll jump out of the plane before I check if I have a shoot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's just me. Mm -hmm. And that was a problem in that instance. I should have checked my shoot and make sure that everything was ready and then jumped and I didn't. Yeah. And and along the way I hurt her, right? Mm -hmm. So I got black hold for like a year and mm -hmm. I'm the favorite child. I can say that here, so. <laughs> but, but I, uh, no, but I, yeah, it was so, it was a bummer. Yeah, man, no, that's good. That's tough. Yeah, well, so that should be easy for you to overcome. Like what's the. Right, right. I don't <laughs> top know. Top that one. I could not top that one. <laughs> but uh, honestly, I'll just piggyback because I think anytime that you fire someone in, in your organization, like it, it, you take it personal. Like it's almost like we failed them. Uh, so, sometimes you're like, hey, don't let the door hit you on the back. You know, mm -hmm. like, wow. Like but I didn't rare. know that was your true colors, but it really is rare. Yeah. Um, so every time that we do a fire, um, I, I think there are so many lessons that you learn, you know, from that. And it really does make you better. Okay. Like for instance, we, uh, we've had to do some recently. And so from that immediately after it happens, it's like, okay, what would I do different? How would I improve that? And so one of our mottos has been slow to hire quick to fire. I don't think that we would, uh, fire as many people. Like, I don't think that, I think there's a way to keep from having to fire people. If you're really, really good at vetting them up front and making sure that that's gonna be a good fit. The other piece that I think we're going to incorporate that would help hopefully other business owners is you have to document everything, by the way, you guys mm -hmm. like, um, and if there's, there's issues that you see immediately, you need to address that. And so we have like a 90 day, you know, policy where it's like, okay, the first 90 days, that's like a trial period for both of us. And it's okay for you to tell us, Hey, it's not working. And the same for us. Um, but we're going to have a quarterly review and go over that and, and decide, okay, like, this is what I like. This is what I want you to work on. And, and you give them something tangible to work on and you write it out and you put it in. Um, like we use Zenefits, for instance, it's a software that will just keep track of the notes that we have, you know, for the HR side of things. We've, we've learned that, right? Like that's not something that in the past, like you said, like we would just call them up or just be like, you know, on a Friday afternoon, Hey, you're gone, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't that harsh, yeah, no, maybe not that yeah. specifically, but I've done that specifically with, with people. I've definitely failed on some high, uh, on, uh, you know, some, sometimes where we've had to fire people, but, um, yeah, those, those things have been huge lesson learners for us. And, uh, and, and you, you have to document, you have to have quarterly reviews too. That's another thing I would push for everyone to do. Like, make sure that you're doing that every quarter that you're sitting down. They, they know it, they expect it. They actually, employees look forward to that I realized and they come ready like with notes and like hey you know this and this bothered me when you did that and, and you said it this way oh really I had no idea like that's how it was mm -hmm. so you can shift and adjust and and that way there's no dispute what happened and I think then it comes down to okay if they're gonna go their separate way like it's very clear like they were given notice and there were you know 
clear no things surprise. that need to be done. There's mm-hmm. no surprises. That's the worst part mm-hmm. is when you blindside someone, they had no idea that it's coming. That's bad. You never want that as a business no. owner. You want to make sure that it, it was, they, they come in your office, they sit down, they already know, you know, right. they're like, yeah, I'm walking out, you know, done. And All so, right. yeah, lots of lessons learned. Lots of lessons learned for sure. All right. So I want you guys to think about what you want to leave listeners with, uh, guys, we have just, uh, a couple of quick announcements. So uh, please like, subscribe, share, comment. It really help us out. We can reach more people if you guys do that. Uh, next week's no show. We're going to be Collective Genius. And then the following week, we got uh, Sandy Cesare. She's going to talk about how she's uh, doing 70 plus mobile homes a year, I think nationwide, without a buyer's list. Uh, so check that out. Um, last thoughts. I would say learn how to adapt. You got it. If you're in real estate and you enjoy this, um, you're going to realize that we've been in it since 2008. And since then, we've seen everything, you know, from a crash, obviously, to like the boom, the bust. I mean, we're, we're going to see it all. What we've learned, though, through that entire experience is, for instance, like, you know, this past um, uh, this past year, we've we, we learned a niche. Right. And mm-hmm. you mentioned manufactured homes like that for us um, became like a really cool niche that all of a sudden we're like, Hey, wait a minute. You know, we have some cheap land. Uh, home prices are crazy. Uh, they're not affordable. And so there's a segment of the market that's being ignored. FHA financing is available. Yes. Yeah. And now there's actually some really cool things with these manufactured homes. They can actually compare them to single family homes right. now and, and get that same price. So there's a lot to that that we can unpack, you know, at a different time. But, you know, that, that was just one example of this year. I learned that. I didn't know. Like, that was something that we always kind of, like, knew about, I guess, but we never really did it. Mm-hmm. And so you learn to adapt. Like, yeah, the market's tough right now. You can't get a ton of wholesale deals. You can't get a lot of flips. Well, hey, shift gears. Figure mm-hmm. out another way to make money. And so now that that's actually been a really good revenue producer for us. So just learn to adapt in this business. Awesome. You know, I don't know if I have any words of wisdom necessarily. I just... Uh I find somebody that inspires you, find somebody that motivates you and, and then like cling to them, you know, cause yeah. like, uh, I'm, I'm a weirdo. So I like to like, as, uh, strange as it might be, you know, he was mentioning looking up to a handful of Navy seals and things like that. Like I'm, I'm one of those people that if I can, I can listen to talks or things like that just a little bit, like I'm not, I can't go listen to a ton of things, but just give me enough motivation where I'm like, oh man, now I'm like, I'm super motivated. I'm energized. That's all it takes for me. Like a very, yeah. very small dose of that carries me for days, you yeah. know? And so I, I think that uh, sometimes we get too caught up in the flashing of checks across, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Across somebody's Facebook feed or whatever, right. you know? And just like, you'll get burned out in this industry. Like if, if that if that isn't you in a few months, are you burned out? Like, so find something that just motivates you that's not, that's long lasting, yeah. you know? I don't know. For me, it's simple talks. Yeah, well, and I think there's a lot to it, you know. um, A lot of people are trying to find, like, the next big secret, read this next book, Mm -hmm. and really, we already know what we need to do. Mm -hmm. It's just actually going to do it. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate you having fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for it, Steve. Thank you guys for watching. See you guys in two weeks. See, we real estate disruptors. Can't nobody touch us. And yeah, we about to give you game. Shout out to Steve Train. Real estate disruptors. They cannot touch us. 
And yeah, we about to give you game Shout out to Steve Train Jump on the Steve Train Yeah, see we real estate disruptors 